You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us. Today we'll be discussing composite materials and how does filler content and particle size play into your composite choice. Our guest is Dr. Leanne Brady, Director of Education for the Pankey Institute and a dedicated educator who also maintains a private practice in Glendale, Arizona. Dr. Brady, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Phil, thanks for having me back. Yeah, you become a regular here. Um, and all great stuff, really all great stuff. And I, I like to review what you've done in the past, in the beginning of each podcast, just so our listeners know what, they're, what they've possibly missed or they may want to review later. Um, you did a great podcast titled State of the Art Adhesive Dentistry, where you went into great detail about self-etch, total etch, universal bonds, um, megapascals as far as bond strengths. Does it really mean that if you have something advertised with a higher megapascal Bond strength, does that mean that's the silver bullet? Well, not really. So listen to that podcast to learn more about that. Hypersensitivity can be treated. That is a excellent podcast for those of you who did not tap into that one. Um, one of her favorite products, uh, talking about Dr. Brady, is Gluma. And it's not a new product, but she talks about why she likes that and how that is utilized under re- restorative procedures and by itself for cases where there's some... Uh, gingival recession and exposed roots or root surfaces. Um, and then, of course, there's a great one on maintaining a dry field. It's called How to Maintain a Dry Field. It Matters. And uh, that's an excellent one. And Dr. Brady talks about various options a dentist has with isolation, why it's important, and uh, some of the great things she particularly likes about a product called Relief. That's by Colzer. Colzer is sponsoring this podcast today, so we'll disclose that, and we thank Colzer for that. So to begin, many composites are made from BIS-GMA and BPA chemistry. We've heard that before. Tell us your feelings about this material. You know, so it's an interesting thing um, when we talk about um, some of our chemistry and when it becomes a concern for our patient base. And so, you know, the whole BPA conversation came up um, when we started looking at BPA in plastics, um, so baby bottles, water bottles, um, you know, different plastic containers that hold our food, and realizing that you could find BPAs, bisphenol A, um, in your body if you're being exposed to it that way, um, and that there's some science that show that um, high levels of BPA could pose a health risk, and I say could pose uh just because, um, you know, depending upon the science and the way it was done and what people are saying, um, you know, you may or may not think that was good scientific research. Regardless of that, it became a concern for our patients and it's on the news and we start to hear about this. Um, You know, and then there was one news article that got the attention of our patients about the fact that plastic fillings, quote unquote, as we know, composites, Um, have BPA in them and that you should be concerned and not let your children have fillings made of that material. So when we think about bisphenol A or BPA, here's what we know. Um, There really aren't composites that contain BPA, but as you said in your question, um, the monomer in a lot of common composites that are out there today is either bis-GMA or bis-DMA. And then what we know about that is that it breaks down and produces BPA or bisphenol A Um, And then if you actually then test the saliva and other parts of the body, um, you can actually find slightly higher levels of bisphenol A for up to 30 days after you've had a composite resin placed in your mouth. 
Now the question is, yes or no, does that pose a health hazard? And the truth of it is we don't have definitive information on that. Um, more importantly, the question is, are your patients concerned about that? And I think that's going to vary. I think it varies whether you do a lot of pediatrics versus adults. Um, you know, it's amazing how we're more concerned about the things that go in our kids' bodies than we are sometimes about what we do for ourselves. Um, I also think it varies um, from um, demographic to demographic. There are parts of the country and the world where people are much more concerned about um, their exposure to chemicals and, and potentially harmful things from the environment than in other cities and states and places in the world. Um, so I think for the dentist, it's partly your personal feeling about it. I think it's where you live and what your general patient population is going to feel. Um, and then, of course, it also depends on when we see the next news article that, you know, or thing on Facebook that gets all of our patients concerned. Um, you know, there's a very, very small number of composites on the market today that do not contain either BIS-GMA or BIS-DMA, which means they have zero ability um, to create residual BPA when you place those composites. Um, and so an example of that is Venus Diamond from Colzer. The monomer it uses is UDMA. Um, so, I mean, I think we need to all be informed about the chemistry because I do think you, you're going to get asked by a patient. They're going to find something on the news or on the Internet, um, and you need to be informed and you need to feel comfortable um, in how you're going to respond to that answer to that question. And you need to feel comfortable with the materials that you're choosing to use in your in your practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with that substitution, not using BIS-GMA um, and you mentioned that's in Venus Diamond. Correct. Yeah, yeah it's it, in their it, Venus Diamond and their Venus Pearl. Right. Use, is there, uh, is there any BIS is there any uh, compromises by uh, swapping out that BIS-GMA? No, no, it doesn't compromise like the polymerization or the strength of the material or the longevity. It's just a different monomer. Okay. So how does the filler content and particle size play a role in choosing a composite? Um, you know, that's actually probably the primary conversation in composite dentistry for the last number of decades. Um, and, you know, so uh, what we know about composite materials is the higher the filler percentage the better the physical properties of the composite. So better wear rates, lower water absorption, um, better elastic modulus, better fracture toughness. Um, everything about a composite gets better when you increase the filler percentage. Um, the problem is the higher the filler percentage, the more dense the material gets, and eventually the handling properties become unusable. So you know we can't use a composite that's dry and crumbly and chalky you know, you've got to be able to get it out of the syringe, get it into the mouth and put it in the cavity preparation. Mm -hmm. So the bulk of composite science over a lot of decades was looking at how do we increase filler percentage without making the material unusable. And what we learned is the smaller you make the particles, then the more filler percentage you can do before the material becomes too dense. You know, so we went from macrofill um, and so when we think about composites, the first word um, describes the size of the filler particles, macro, micro, nano. The second part of the word tells us the character of the filler particles. So fill means all the particles are identical. Hybrid means there's big and little particles, but in the same size category. Um, cluster means that um, often they take their own composite, polymerize it, grind it up, and put it back into the material as its own filler. So 
um, in filler particle size, we went from macro to micro, now to nano. Um, and so the, you know, the lion's share of composites that people are using routinely in their practice today fall in the nano category. Uh, and even in the nano category, the smaller the particle size, the higher the filler percentage, um, which means you get really great physical properties of the material um, without compromising viscosity to the point where a dentist just won't use the material. Mm -hmm. And what about the shape of the actual particles being, does that have any play in the handling? You know what, the shape of the particles doesn't necessarily have a play in the handling. Um, the surface of the particles does. Um, surfaces, particles that slide past each other very easily, um, the material will stay lower viscosity or more sculptable. Um, if there's lots of frictional resistance for the particles moving past one another, it makes it much harder to um, place the composite, that, that property we call sculptability. Um, so that has to do with it. And then, of course, the shape of the particles has a, light to, a lot to do with the light characteristics and the aesthetics of the material. So, you know, are those particles reflecting light back to our eye um, and making the material look um, higher in value? Or does it let light past, which increases depth of cure, but makes the material look more translucent? Um, and, of course, there's lots of different kinds of particles, and that's a big conversation today about what the particles are, silica-based, non-silica-based. Um, but, but really, the primary thing for as a dentist when you choose a composite um, that you want to know is um, filler percentage and filler size, because that really is what's going to affect the physical properties of the composite, which are related to how well they do in the oral environment. Right. Um, and then obviously how it feels in your hand is easy to do because you just squirt it out on a mixing pad and you can tell if you like the viscosity. Right. So when someone's buying a composite, is that information revealed on the label somewhere or on the box or is, does it just have compressive strength, which correlates to the filler content? Oh, no, they all, all pretty much all the composite manufacturers will tell you that. So if you go right to the website or you look at the materials for that, it'll say a nano category composite. So, you know, you're talking about nano size particles, which is the most modern iteration of our composites. Um, a lot of the manufacturers will actually put the exact particle size because they know that this is a place that we compare and contrast. So this is easy information to find. OK, so is anybody buying macro anymore? Or micro? Um, you know what? Um, macro, no. But micro, yes. Um, the only physical property of a microfill that is still hard to beat in future generations was its polishability. So microfill composites polish beautifully. So Durafil, um, so Renamel. I mean, there's lots of composites on the market in the microfill category. And where are they used? Um, high-end aesthetic anterior composites and they're only the labial half millimeter um, because you don't want them on a functional surface because they don't have good wear rates so you use it just in the enamel colors and just on the labial because they polish easily beautiful and they stay polished just from toothbrushing and the patient's lip right so we're talking about real uh, cosmetic focused dentists that are really interesting Ex exactly okay. exactly Offline, we talked about some of the products you use, which um, I always like to ask before because I, I, I know that our listeners like to hear what the KOLs are using. And you mentioned Venus Diamond and Venus Pearl. Uh, I'm a retired endodontist, so I don't know the difference between the two. So if you, <laughs> yeah, if you could elaborate on that and tell us what's unique about Venus Diamond and Venus Pearl. And that's also from Colzer. 
Yeah, so the Venus family of composite materials is a nano category composite that we just talked about. Um, it's got the UDMA monomer, so no worry about BPA chemistry. Um, diamond and pearl are in the same family. The difference between diamond and pearl are not their physical properties, but it is their handling properties. And so um, if you like a denser composite, you prefer to be able to um, pack your composite or condense your composite, you probably like the handling of diamond better. If you like a less viscous composite, so you wanna be able to inject it into your um, prep, you wanna be able to really um, sculpt it with a plastic instrument, you probably will like pearl. Um, it's very interesting um, to just kind of know that um, different dentists like different handling properties, and then there's also different popularities across countries, right? So I always find that super interesting. Mm -hmm. um, the Venus Diamond line, um, I mean, and Pearl, they have a wide range of shades. They have a companion flowable. They have a companion bulk fill. If you're already utilizing a bulk fill for class two bases, class two one bases that go together. Um, and one of the things for me that's totally unique is um, the Venus Diamond line makes three um, opaque composites. They're my favorite opaque composites in the market. And they're called the Venus Diamond Opaque Chromatic Shades. And what I love about them is they're not bright and white. They've got like the natural value of dentin. Um, and they make it about um, an A1, an A2, and an A3. They call them opaque light, opaque medium, and opaque dark. But they're 100% opaquing at about a half millimeter in thickness. You know, if you really want to opaque out that dark dentin, you know, I'm doing a buildup on an endodontically treated tooth and the dentin is dark. Um, and I need to put a layer down there so that then I can get natural, beautiful aesthetics. Um, the Venus Diamond opaque chromatic shades are kind of a must have in your practice. Yeah. Isn't it great to have a product like that when you have a definitive clinical situation where you just reach for that and go, wow, we know this is going to take care of this issue. It's just really, exactly. yeah, it's a uh, peace of mind all the way. And um, I'm sure Colzer thought of all that from getting those ideas from practitioners like you, Dr. Brady. Um, yeah, I think you've covered everything really well. And uh, we appreciate your insight into composites. And hopefully in the near future, you'll be doing another webinar with us coming up in 2020, hopefully. I know you've done some great webinars for Viva Learning. We appreciate that. You always get amazing attendance. So we hope to see you on more webinars. Uh, good luck with your continued work at the Panky Institute and uh, hope to have you on future webinars soon. Very much appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks, Phil. I would love to do it. Always happy to help.